There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. You're listening to Explain the Brain from the Mind Science Foundation. This is the second part of our August mini-series with neuroscientist Jim Fallon. If you didn't hear last week's episode, we recommend you go back and listen to that first. We're going to pick up pretty much right where we left off. Jim's looking at these brain scans, these gene tests, that suggest he's predisposed to some real violence. And yet he's this long-married, successful academic. And visiting him in his home, I felt more hostility from his poodle. This is a good question. Why, if I've got all these biological markers, why didn't end up a real psychopath that was doing nasty things? And, and so you go, something's missing. Some other force had to be at play. Something had saved him from ending up like the serial killers who share his brain profile. So he starts looking into his past. A couple years ago, he had this conversation with his mother. She goes, there was something really wrong with you. When I was going into puberty, she could see something dark happening. I never knew this, you know, but she's, she says, because she just started to get very dark and sort of depressed and you would overfocus, you became antisocial. And I think then she told my teachers and she encouraged me, she said, look, you've got to stay active. And so I was always involved in sports, like four sports a year competitively and in the band and student government and acting, all those things. This was total news to him, that his mom had noticed something was up when he was a kid. But what's he supposed to believe? That he had this violent brain profile, but somehow beat it thanks to after-school activities? See, Jim had always been what's known as a genetic determinist. He thought genes were destiny when it comes to behavior. But then a paper came out that said that people with this gene... This aggressive so-called warrior gene that Jim and all psychopaths seem to have. They did it in monkeys, then in humans, and showed that if you had the gene and you were treated well, it kind of negated the bad behavior. So I said, Jesus, this is it. It was, it was, you know, it was how I was raised. Now, you would think that I would know this, right? But I never took the environment that seriously. I was, the genetics were everything. I went back and looked at all my pictures, you know, kid pictures as a kid and got all the early films of eight millimeter films. I was always laughing and being held by my parents and my aunts and uncles, grandparents. And I was just always laughing and having a great time. And I said, Jesus, it's these people. Jim realizes he's basically a poster boy for what this study is saying. Here's somebody who's got all the genetics. They got all the brain patterns, you know, from the imaging. And this person should be really, really, really a bad guy, you know? You should be. But he, he's he been married forever. He's got a stable job. He's got people around, a lot of friends. Hasn't killed anybody, raped anybody. And it seems like a nice, regular guy. There's been more and more research in recent years about how your environment can help you overcome bad genes. People have figured out you can counter genetic predispositions to obesity, heart disease, even Alzheimer's and cystic fibrosis. And Jim's a full-blown convert now to this idea that a supportive environment can beat out these so-called warrior genes. If you're part of that group that inherited these alleles that are associated with psychopathy and other personality disorders. So if you have the genetics, if you're part of that 10-15% that has a lot, like I had, that, that, that are crammed at one end with all these, not psychopathy genes, but are associated with the traits, and you're abused... It's bad news. These are the guys that, and the gals too, who grow up to be kind of monsters, very violent and, you know, psychopathic or have other personality disorders that are dangerous. 
But if they're treated well, they just are really competitive and we make them presidents and things like that, you know, or leaders. I, I have trouble believing that it's that black and white, that there's this 10 to 15 percent of people, if they're treated poorly, they're going to be murderers. If they're treated well, they're going to be highly successful. Is it, is it that black and no, white? No, no, no. You know, the, it's like if you have this brain pattern, you're a psychopathic killer. No, but you have you probably have those traits that we associate with them. Sure. These are very different things, but nonetheless, they're real. And and so it's 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 like take note of this child, right? How um how early in development are, can these things be impacted? Well, from from the time of birth, the main one we think about is from birth to three or four years old, up to about three, where the brain really shows plasticity and where it really is subject to these epigenetic changes. Epigenetic changes are changes in what genes parts of your body actually choose to express. Like, say you get a cold virus. Your immune system turns on certain genes and turns off others to fight the disease. And then it can switch back. These kinds of changes in genes you express happen all through your life. The thing is that if they happen early in life, from birth to three or four, and they happen that affect your social brain, not just, I'm not talking about getting an infection on your arm or something, but if they affect your social brain, those kids that have the combination of genes who then also are abused or abandoned. These are the ones that are more highly, highly likely to be big problems. The thinking is that if you have these aggressive or antisocial genes, being exposed to a traumatic or abusive environment at an early age can encourage those genes to get turned on and stay on for life. But the other period is is uh, during fetal development. So if the mother is an alcoholic, taking drugs or under tremendous stress... Uh, the the fetus can be in trouble because you can you could epigenetically change them. So those epigenetic changes that occur in utero and early on in life, those tend to be not reversible. There's a strong adaptive reason these changes may happen. This makes a lot of sense. A kid is born into the world and is beaten and abandoned. Uh, the brain, without the kid knowing it necessarily, says this is a hostile world. I might as well uh, start tuning up my brain to be violent. It's the only way I can survive. And if you're born into a loving world, that predilection for violence just isn't necessary. Which is why Jim thinks his got turned off. For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. Up next week, how Jim's actively fighting his psychopathic traits. And how psychopathic traits can make a person especially successful. We're going to get to that too. I forgot to mention last week that Jim's actually written a book about his story. It's called The Psychopath Inside. To learn more about the Mind Science Foundation, go to mindscience.org. If you want these episodes to come at you automatically, subscribe to the podcast Explain the Brain on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to help more people find our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. 